Welcome to Two Gals and a Glass Half Full. We are two physical therapists just trying to live healthy most of the time and doing our best to see our glasses as half full. Some days that is much harder than others. So we like to interview others that are more knowledgeable than us and teach us about those things we don't know. So today we're doing a part two series um, back with Dr. Anna. But first, Dr. Jess, what do you have in your cup? So I still am drinking my, the same kombucha that I was drinking earlier. I haven't gotten that far into it. <laughs> it is a, it's, it's quite tasty. I would recommend I was going to say you liking it. Yeah. Yeah. What brand good. is it? Uh, 221 kombucha BC. Never yeah. heard of it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, it was, I, I've been trying to test out different ones. I'm trying to go for some more probiotics, especially after I had a kind of a nasty head cold. So trying to uh, stay <laughs> hydrated and uh, stay, stay on top of my probiotics. So uh, Dr. Bobby, what's in your glass? Uh, since we're in part two, I'm also still on this wheat hibiscus tea, passion fruit, but I'm actually really liking it. I never had it before. So awesome. Very cool. So uh, what, who we have with us today is Anna, Dr. Anna Reed. She's a good friend of mine and Dr. Anna, what's in your glass? I have now switched to water. Um, not very exciting, but the general drink of my of choice for the day. So good to stay hydrated. It's it's warm mm-hmm. out in summertime. All right. So Anna, tell us a little bit about you. Uh, so I'm a scientist that works for the National Resources Defense Council. It's a large environmental and public health nonprofit group. Um, and I specifically work kind of at the intersection of science and policy to inform policy. Um, help protect uh, us, um, our health, and the environment from toxic chemicals. I love it. So good. So good. Yeah. Now, this is the second part. So if you are joining in for this episode and didn't listen to the first episode, that's fine. This will be still be helpful. I would recommend that you go back and listen to the first episode because there is some really good quality information as to the why toxin-free living is valuable and important what we're going to do in this episode is take it a little bit of a step further and let's talk a little bit more about why some of these products it's important to look into a couple of different things so i'd like to talk about some body products things that we put on like shampoos lotions things like that and then we've got the category of cleaning products and then we've got the category of food and so really trying to delve into each of these it's not super expansive by any means but really kind of seeing that there are differences in each of these products that we want to have some awareness towards so dr anna First, I, I, I'm actually really interested in food and agriculture. And mm-hmm. when we talk about toxin-free living, there's, if you go to the store and your consumer to buy it, that's obviously different than if you're growing it. But let's say we're on that consumer side and we're in the grocery store and we're trying to figure out, is it worth it to pay more for organic? Or do we look at the one that's sitting right there next to it on the shelf that isn't organic and definitely probably less in cost. So why, like, why would I choose the organic one? Um, it's a good question. Um, you know, I, I choose organic and I'll go into why, uh, but you know, it, there is a budget concern. Unfortunately, it is more expensive. Um, so like, um, I, you know, when we talked about in the last episode, um, if you need to pick and choose, that's okay too, right? Like if, if budget wise, like something's really expensive, it's, um, then you go non-organic 
organic for that. That's fine. Um, try to go organic when you can, if there's not a big price difference. Um, but the reason why I, I buy organic is because pesticides, um, they are designed to kill organisms. Um, and unfortunately we are, we have a lot of similar biology um, as the things that the pesticides are targeting. A good example is um, OP, so organic, uh, organophosphates. Um, uh, uh, one of the most famous ones is chlorpyrifos. Um, if you have you know, seen on the news at all, um, there's a big fight about chlorpyrifos and the use of it on, on uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, those target development uh, of the ner nervous system. So they, they actually um, are, um, they disrupt our, our neurobiology. Um, and, um, the uh, they had been found that no level was safe uh, uh, use on uh, fruits and vegetables. Um, they left trace enough amounts to where you would actually affect um, the development of a child's brain. Um, and uh, um, unfortunately, for a while, uh, it still wasn't banned. Um, and it took it took a long time to control that pesticide. But unfortunately, there's a whole family of those. Um, and so pesticides are meant to hurt uh, biological organisms. And unfortunately, they can also hurt us. Um, so they can affect um, our development, they can affect our neurobiology. Um, and so uh, not being exposed to that is, is a really, is a really good um, endeavor. Uh, but and, and, you know, for a while, the types of pesticides that we used, you could maybe wash the fruit or vegetable really well. You can't do that often anymore because pesticides have gotten better. They've been designed better. And a lot of them are called systemic to uh, pesticides, systemic toxicants. What they do is they actually, you know, they go into the root structure, they go into the actual plant or fruit. Um, instead of being just sprayed um, on the top, um, they're more effective if um, they're actually part of the plant. Um, and that means that you can't wash it off, unfortunately. Um, and so you there's no real way to, under, to to figure out what type of pesticide has been used on a plant um, or on a crop. Um, and so that makes it um, kind of just general rule of thumb to, to assume the worst, unfortunately, and, um, and to go organic when you can. Um, and I will say going organic is, is very costly for um, farmers. Um, the process, um, you have to be um, pesticide free for, I think it's three years. It's a significant amount of time before you can actually have that label. And yet you have to sell your products um, not labeled organic, even though it's more expensive, you know, it requires more work to grow crops without pesticides. Um, so sometimes like when I'm at a farmer's market, instead I ask, are you pesticide free? That way groups of, you know, like I, 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 I learned this when I went to a farmer's market and I'm like, are you organic? And they're like, well, we're pesticide free. We're working on our, our organic certification. And I'm like, well, then that's something that that's good to support. Right. Because mm -hmm. it takes, it takes a lot to be able to make that switch. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I've heard, and I know there's a lot of misinformation out there, so maybe you can speak to it as if budget wise, you know, you can't go organic or grass fed or anything with anything. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I had been told by someone is it's better to do like your meat if you have to choose, like making sure your meat is more like antibiotic free or like that versus the vegetables if you're choosing one over the other. Is there any mm -hmm. truth to that? Oh, um, picking between uh, you know, uh, what would, would, would be the lesser evil, I guess. Right. Yes. Um, right. Yes. Uh, so you definitely, I so like 
in dairy products, I make sure that they're, it's like, it's hormone free. I mean, that's a good mm-hmm. one to try to mm-hmm. avoid um, for sure. Um, obviously grass fed is, is going to probably be uh, the healthiest for the environment for you, but it doesn't necessarily need to have it grass fed. Um, antibiotics are really important. The use of antibiotics, um, we need to stop using those on livestock as much as possible, but I, um, you individually, uh, if you're making a choice between one or the other, it's not necessarily, um, I would actually go more for the pesticide free. Um, okay. so the issue with antibiotics is that if you give, um, say cattle, um, a low dose of antibiotics all the time, um, it helps them grow faster. Uh, and, uh, it sort of helps deter, um, you know, cattle from getting sick. Um, but the widespread use of antibiotics that we use for our own, you know, like in a clinical setting, um, basically means that we're this one of the sources of, um, all these, uh, antibiotic resistant bacteria, um, that we are now facing. So antibiotics are these miracle pills that you just like, you're sick, you get to take this pill. And then seven days later, you are done with it, right? Like it, it fixes the problem. Um, those are, those are being compromised. In other words, um, because we use them so much that we're selecting for bacteria that are resistant to those chemicals, to the, to the antibiotics. And so it's already an issue with overprescribing amongst the human population. But then you realize that a huge percentage of the antibiotics that we use in the, in the world today is actually used for just making livestock grow a little faster. It's a big problem. Um, and so um, those antibiotics um, are being put at risk in terms of being effective for us um, in, a, in like a health setting just because we're using them in livestock. Um, and so that's why we really push to, um, to have people buy antibiotic free, um, you know, meats, um, and why we we're pushing to just limit the ability to use antibiotics in livestock, unless the cow or the chickens are obviously sick. Yeah. Thank you. I think that's, I think that's super helpful because there, it is two different, to, you know, two different mm-hmm. issues for sure. Um, right. when we're thinking about food as well. So I think one of the other topics is things that are packaged and ready to go. And a strategy that I've used is I, I kind of, I turn that packaging over and I try and find things that have five ingredients or less, or at least words that I can read, even if it's not five or less at least I can read them. That's mm-hmm. not possible every single time by any means, but do you have any other strategies that you use for products that are already like in a bag, in a box, you know, somehow sealed? Right. So this is another piece of advice that's really hard to follow because, um, you know, it all depends on your budget and your time. And, right. you know, these are luxuries, right? Um, money yeah. and and time um, and you know prepackaged food is really easy to grab a bar for your kid versus like a full like make a full like you know snack box or whatever right yep. Um, yep. and and I and I, I I get it but it's if you can it's worth trying um, because packaged foods are just the more process they go through the more likely they're um, going to pick up some sort of contaminant in the processing um, and uh, you know so. It's the same with um, like fast food, right? Like the, the, in order to achieve what they 
they're they're able to do, which is give you food like in a couple minutes. Um, there's a lot of processing that happens with that food and just more likely for you to have picked up, you know, um, a bunch of different types of contaminants that are part of the manufacturing process. Um, but, you know, you're on a trip, go have fast food. It is, it is what it is. <laughs> like, you know, um, it's all, it's all about the long game. Um, but yes, I think if you can read the ingredients, always a good sign, you know, um, it, it is always a good sign. I would say some, there's some ingredients, you know, like even salt, it isn't called salt sometimes. So, you know, you have, it, there, there are, you know, chemical terms for um, mm -hmm. certain things that it, that is the way it is. But yeah, I, um, if you can read the ingredients, it's good. Sometimes there's a lot more than five ingredients though. So, um, you know, it really depends. Um, sometimes it helps to find some companies that you trust, right. That helps too. Um, uh, uh, but in general, if you can avoid packaged processed foods, um, that's better. Um, but again, like maybe you, maybe you take one of the meals out off the plate for the week and start with that. I think it's funny. I'm sitting here and I know last episode you talked about natural flavors and mm -hmm. I got this drink and it's, uh, organic tea, no sugar, it has non-GMO, USDA organic, fair trade. And then it says naturally flavored. So because it doesn't have to be organic, bad, right? Right. Yeah. Um, you're likely it, 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 you, you have, you can like chew <laughs> on, it, on some of the other uh, pieces of information on that can, which uh -huh. probably means, but it, you know, like I said before, it could be natural or it could not be um, right. probably leaning more towards natural at this point. Yeah. It does mm -hmm. say organic natural flavors on the ingredients. Yeah. So, but I just yeah. thought it was funny. Like when we were recording and I looked down, it's yes. like naturally flavored. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think with some of the stuff that we're talking about, if we're really trying to implement strategies into our lives, it does require some planning. And I think that can mm -hmm. be helpful. So mm -hmm. a budget, I, you know, our budget for grocery shopping, things like that, I'm pretty strict with that. And I, and I plan that out in advance for our monthly budget. And what that means is that when I do the meal plan for the week, that I'll try and do things where I'll get more bang for my buck, we'll say. So I might cook a batch of broth for soup, and then that will feed us for a number of meals. And th things that will take me less time to prepare, so one batch will be multiple meals. And then the, the product that I'm using, I try not to waste as much of it. So if I'm going to have just a, a vegetable as a side for a couple of nights versus using as much of the vegetable as possible and cooking into a larger dish, things that can help again, it just kind of helps with that budget. So I, we're not the type of family that cooks a dinner every single night. Uh, <laughs> I don't have time for that, but we do a lot of meal prepping and that is a strategy mm -hmm. that can be helpful. Uh, mm -hmm. for using less pre-processed food and then using the freezer as storage instead of, um, you know, other types of preservatives, for example. So just, just kind of little tidbits for trying to keep things within budget. Time constraints are always an issue, uh, but just trying to figure out where in your week, where in your day uh, can, can some of those, that half hour to an hour of time really be uh, maximized for the week. Um, so mm -hmm. that's, that's the strategies that we use. And Jess, and I, know, I, mm -hmm. oh, I would say, Jess, I know one thing you and I do, and unfortunately in this phase of life right now, I'm not doing it this summer is like growing your own food. Right. Um, and like 
just going out and seeing what's what's available and pulling that in and then be like, okay, what do I need to buy to go with it? So that way, okay. A, you can control what you're putting on, what your dirt and all that type of stuff. Okay. Um, and then B, it lessens your uh, food costs because you're just growing it in your backyard. And it's a good, it's a good hobby. It's a good side project. Mm-hmm. It's good for stress relief and that mental well-being that we've talked about in previous episodes. I have a, it's lofty and I know it's lofty, but I do have a personal goal for our household of growing what we eat. So I planted probably, I've got 15 to 20 fruit trees that have either been grafted or, you know, that, you know, I bought as little babies that I planted somewhere between two and three years ago. So those will start producing here in the next couple of years, hopefully pretty well. And then we've got a large vegetable garden that I've also, I'm adding to this year as well. And I do a lot of testing. (laughs) Everybody says it takes (laughs) about a decade to really get a garden into a good, uh, a good place where you can trust, trust your yields, know how something's going to perform, where it needs to move in the yard, how much sunlight, how much water, uh, some stuff, uh, when should you plant it? How Mm -hmm. cold hardy is it? Mm -hmm. Um, all, all of that stuff. How much do we need for the pollinators? So the flowers, Uh, so it's a really good, I, it's a project that I really enjoy doing, but then at the same time it gives us food, right? So, uh, it tastes better. Yeah, no, like that's what I do. I I did that on, on Friday night at the, um, when I'm done with work, I go look in the garden, I see what's ready. And then on Saturday mornings, when we go through the grocery list for the week, it's all based around what I need to fill in. Cause I'm currently not producing enough to feed us. Um, and maybe I never will, but like, I mean, it's a goal. So mm-hmm. I try. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. And I, I think that's awesome. And uh, you're definitely producing a lot more than I am. Mine's much more of a hobby. Um, but I, I will say that it's really important to acknowledge that there's, there's a lot of food deserts out there and yes. there's a lot of people who can't grow their own, their own food. And there's a lot of people who don't have access to even, you know, the choice of organic. And so, yep. you know, I think, um, uh, really doing the best you can, um, uh, you know, everything from the, uh, being as uh, badass as uh, uh, Jess and growing <laughs> all that food and fruit trees to even if you, um, you know, you're having a hard time getting um, anything other than pre, you know, like processed foods, maybe you switch to water, you know, like instead of having, you know, um, sugary drinks or, or processed drinks, like even, I mean, you know, whatever it is that you can do is always a great step forward. And then of course we have to fight the battle to make uh, you know the whole system a little bit more fair so that people can make those types of choices and, and can have access to kind of the things we're talking about. I think that, you know, having access to healthy food, unfortunately, is this huge luxury um, that we can, you know, everybody can make the choices within their sphere, but unfortunately, sometimes people's spheres are are really limited. Um, and so I think, um, you know, I, I would look at, you know, kind of what you're putting into your body as this, like, you know, um, uh, privilege and challenge, right. To like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to feed yourself well. Um, and, um, so, uh, I will, um, you know, uh, maybe plant a few more things in my <laughs> box, but, uh, I will say that, you know, one thing that I did think of is that farmer's markets, if you can find them anywhere near you, they will usually be cheaper. The organic um, produce will be cheaper than if you find it in a store. So if that, if that's possible, um, I find that, um, going to a farmer's market is, it takes more time. Um, but, um, my kids love it. And so that's another, it's kind of like a family outing. You can see where things come from and that helps too with the budget. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Absolutely. I miss my garden. I miss it right now, but just one, just one season, one right. time. And that's, and that's the thing for me, it's a hobby that I enjoy. So it's mm-hmm. not something that's work. It's actually mm-hmm. opposite of work for me, but other people have different hobbies, which is fine. It doesn't, mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be gardening. Mine just happens to fill two different roles for me that helps us with food. And it also helps me with stress reduction and just like having that peaceful environment. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's, it's kind of a, it's a two for one, you know, which is yep. great for me. Yeah. yeah, not, yeah. not necessary for everybody. So that's kind of the big picture of food, right? That's not everything about food by any means, but big picture. Uh, so let's move forward into some of the skincare products. So we're talking mm-hmm. about like lotion, shampoo, things that uh, we put onto our bodies, makeup, things like that. Um, so what are some of the things that we want to kind of consider with those products? Yeah, unfortunately, um, beauty care, the in general is a, is a huge problem. Um, the like sheer number of chemicals that are put into an average, you know, personal care product is, mm-hmm. is, is staggering. Um, and, um, I think the, there was a study done on like how the average number of products people put on them a day. Um, and I, you know, it's actually, um, young mm-hmm. female teenagers, um, use the most. It was something over 20 products or something like that. So it is a, it's yeah. a big deal, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Because yes, we're putting it on our, our bodies. And so um, we're more likely to be directly exposed to it through our skin. Most things, if they're in a beauty product, they're designed to be absorbed um, in, into our skin. Um, and so not, not everything, but um, so it's a, if you're going to tackle an area, a good one to try and tackle, um, you know, we talk about food goes directly into our body. Um, personal care products also often go directly on, onto our body and then eventually into our body. Um, and uh, it's everything from, there's a lot of fragrance that's used in personal care products. And uh, as we talked about in the last episode, fragrance is a catch-all for anything that they want to put in. Um, uh, it, it, it's not regulated in any way. Um, often fragrance could be one item, one ingredient, or it could be like 10, 20 different ingredients to, to create a fragrance and it's not regulated. So you don't know what it is. It's not, it's not to be disclosed. Um, and so that, that's, um, a, of a, a concern. And there's a lot of people with fragrance allergies now, like uh, they're sensitized to these types of chemicals. And that's because often these types of chemicals are, are, they're specifically, you know, um, chemicals of concern. Um, and, and that's why, like, when I started walking away from things with fragrance in them, or things that didn't have like a, a natural source of fragrance. Um, I am very highly sensitized to fragrances now. Like I get into a, you know, Uber or something with somebody who's wearing a lot of cologne and I'm like, kind of, I'm, 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 I'm gagging a little bit. So I'm having a reaction to it. Um, and it's because, you know, like, I, I think you, like you said before, Bobby, when you're like, when you pull yourself away from some of this stuff, your body reacts mm. to it afterwards. Um, you know, we kind of, I, I remember being a teenager and, and using all these stuff, lots and lots of it. So I think, you know, you get used to it, your body gets used to it, but like, once you pull yourself away from it, some of these, these items end, end up causing you, um, you know, to react. Um, so, uh, things to, to look out for, um, I think this is particularly relevant for being in the, the COVID era, but, um, a lot of your sanitizers, um, can be of concern. Um, the, the types of um, chemicals that are used to disinfect things, um, they're 
often overboard. You're seeing medical grade, um, you know, chemicals being used in everyday products um, because people want like, you know, things that will kill everything in sight. And it, that, unfortunately, it's not something that we need. Often everything um, that we need is, you know, can simply be achieved by hot water and soap, regular soap, um, <laughs> you know, or um, alcohol. Alcohol kills almost everything. Um, so, you know, like uh, hand sanitizer, 70% ethanol sprays, those kinds of like those types of base things are good enough. But what we're seeing is that quaternary quats, quaternary ammoniums, um, triclosan, all ki kinds of like um, more severe chemicals that do not need to be used in our everyday lives in, 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 um, the products uh, like soaps um, and and those I would try to avoid um, for the most part. Um, soap does the job. Soap is basically um, kind of like a lipid based thing that like catches up everything on your hands and gets it off. Um, and and that's what that's all you really need. Um, so um, I find antibacterial antiseptic, all those kinds of words to be something to look, look at and see how they're achieving it. That's a, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. um, fragrance is something to be worried about. And then um, kind of general classes of chemicals to be concerned about. And sometimes these are hard to figure out what they are on a label, but um, they usually have this part of the name in the, in the ingredient are phthalates, um, PFAS are like um, fluorinated chemicals and parabens. So they're all like, um, you'll see some part of that word in the ingredient often and those you want to avoid they're um you know associated with various different things like cancer or endocrine uh, hormone disruption um and so we want to stay away from those a lot of unfortunately a lot of chemicals that we find in personal care products are hormone disruptors yeah i've definitely heard that a number of times and mm -hmm. i think it's interesting because the individuals that are using it, especially if young females, it's, that is like not the good time to have a hormone yeah. disruptor. Yeah. So, and sometimes you wonder if I get rid of all this stuff, does it really matter? I've already been exposed. Um, and I will tell you, there's this wonderful experiment. I love talking about this project because it actually directly involved, um, yeah, it was led by a group of, um, teenagers um, in California. Um, they worked with um, UC Berkeley uh, scientists and um, the, it was basically a project where they did an education um, to high schoolers um, about this whole topic that there was all these chemicals in their you know, personal care products and what they could do, what, what that exposure could do. They, they learned about that. Then they designed a three-day you know, experiment where they took you know, blood samples, urine samples um, of the kids before, then they got to shop at like a toxic free, you know, um, table of all these different products, and they pledged to use those products, um, and not use their old products for three days, and then they got tested again at the end, and what we saw was a huge reduction in a lot of these types of chemicals. So, um, you know, even three days, we saw a big difference um, in their, their exposure levels to some of these. So, you know, unfortunately, some of the chemicals are meant to last forever, um, like PFAS chemicals, fluorinated chemicals. Um, they are extra durable and they stay in our bodies for years, but there's other ones that can be um, eliminated from our bodies rather quickly. And so when you make that switch, it actually, it, it's doing something, so. I always it's, like to tell that story because it, it, it's a drastic change in three days. Yeah. I think that's awesome. My skincare is definitely the one, my makeup and my skincare is the one I've kind of switched the most and kind of mm -hmm. where I've done the most, um, 
I have I, the one thing I struggle with. And I told this to Jess is candles. Like I, mm. I know they're so bad. I love my Bath and Body Works candles. And I know they're probably like the worst candles to get. <laughs> you know, one of the wonderful things about, I, I swear off, I just stopped using candles for a long time, but you, if you find like at your farm's market or a small store, um, you can actually, there's a lot of people like smaller producers of candles, like mm-hmm. soy based candles where they find a natural fragrance, um, uh, to, to scent their candles where you're actually like supporting a small business, um, mm-hmm. by buying these natural candles. Um, and they smell pretty good. I mean, not as pungent or not as fragrant as like body works or cause it's the, they're not using chemicals that are, are specifically designed to have that fragrance last for a really long time but they're, they're nice, you know, lavender based, those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, so I've actually found a few, you know, candle makers that, um, do, do do an all natural process and you can buy those and support them and you get your candles back. (laughs) It's definitely, it's definitely on my list of like, cause Mm -hmm. I have like a whole stock of them right now that Mm -hmm. I have spent a lot of money on that I can't like just throw (laughs) out, but it is definitely on my list of like when I need more and I haven't allowed myself to buy any more. So, but it's, Mm -hmm. It's definitely on my list, but that is my yeah. one little area that. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I was saying before. Like you know, do the stuff that's low hanging fruit for you first, and then if you can eventually tackle the thing that you love the most, then fine, that's <laughs> great. Um, but you know, like you know, allow yourself to change the things that are easiest first, and then mm-hmm. you know, hang on to that specific candle or um, you know waterproof mascara or whatever it is that you just mm-hmm. can't get yourself to get rid of oh for sure yeah it's never any any change you make needs to be sustainable and something that you're actually hopefully looking forward to that way it's going in a positive direction versus feeling like you're in withdrawal or mm-hmm. whatever it might be um but yeah and i actually found a good candle recently that was at a farmer's okay. market yeah i know yeah. i know of a really great company out east i just mm-hmm. i literally have probably like 40 like i bought them <laughs> when they were like ten dollars and so like right I can't see spending almost like 20 some dollars when I have like 40 sitting here, but I like, Mm -hmm. I have noticed that they're starting to, the smell is starting to get stronger since I've like gotten rid of like all like the skincare products. I think that's been a Mm -hmm. huge, the, what I put on, it smells good, but it's like a natural, um, Mm -hmm. it's like they put lavender, they put vanilla in it as a scent versus these perfume, you know, fragrance. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, perfect. So I think that is just a really good way to take a step back, think about some big bullet points for skincare, body care. And the last topic that we were going to talk about is cleaning. We touched on that a little bit with the hand sanitizer, uh, mm-hmm. but are there any other kind of topics that or bullet points that might be helpful when looking at sprays, uh, laundry detergents, things like that, things that are going onto products and our services in our house or our clothing. Mm -hmm. This is one where I just skip reading label and I just go for a certification. Um, so I mean, uh, it's, it's everybody, it's up to everybody to decide what they want to do, but I just go straight to look for safer choice, um, certification, uh, which is done by the federal government and it's, um, a voluntary certification, that's done by companies um, where they specifically only use chemicals that have been vetted from a safer list. Um, And so 
within, so, so you can look for uh, cleaning products that have the safe of choice label on them. Um, and that's usually what I do. Um, and then on top of that, there within that program, it, um, there's DFE certified products, which is a design for environment. Um, it, forget about what it means. Basically what it is, is it's been certified to disinfect so it's a, it's a specific group of cleaners that are, uh, have been certified to not only use safer ingredients, but they're um, certified to be able to actually disinfect viruses and bacteria. So like, um, I would not recommend actually disinfecting your whole house. Um, it's not necessary, but like, say um, you want to disinfect like um, high traffic areas, um, you know, the, in your, in your home or everybody's sick with the stomach flu for a week <laughs> at home, you know, that's when you want to try and um, use a little bit higher power um, the cleaners. Um, and so that's a, that's a, like an, a separate um, certification within the safer choice uh, program that, um, and I found it uh, particularly useful to there, there was a, a uh, filter that was put in a little while ago that um, certified it for COVID. So you could actually just get a list of chemicals that uh, are, sorry, of products that use safer chemicals, but also were um, useful against um, cleaning uh, for COVID. Um, and so that, you know, I, I looked that list up, I found wipes that I could use and, and I found like uh, sprays that I could use and uh, hand sanitizers. And then, uh, you know, I, I got that from my home and I also, donated a bunch of schools, um, you know, uh, that, that my, my child goes to because they were having to, to disinfect every day and was actually quite concerned about the level of um, increase in the use of certain um, disinfectants that I didn't want the kids exposed to because of COVID. Um, and that's actually been a big concern in our area of work is trying to educate schools and, and, um, and educators about Yes, you have to do all this disinfecting, but please don't like, um, you know, uh, use certain types of products that are going to expose our children to um, unsafe chemicals. Right. So we try to fix one problem, but then we create another problem. That's just uh, kind of how life works sometimes, right? Holistic thinking is not a a strong suit, I feel like, of generally of of our society, unfortunately. Um, You know, we try uh, individually, but I think it's really hard to to achieve that at a larger scale. Absolutely. Well, Anna, we really appreciate you coming on. This was very helpful knowledge to share. Hopefully other people can use this to make some more informed choices. A lot of this information with links we're going to provide. It's easier for us to provide it in the YouTube uh, description of the episode, but please feel free to follow us on, uh, on social media. So we're on Facebook, Instagram, and we are on Apple podcasts and then YouTube as well. So two gals and a glass half full. We do posting on a pretty much a daily basis for things that go along with the episode. So hopefully our listeners will find that helpful. All right, everybody. Mm-hmm. Next week, we have Gretchen coming on and we've heard her in some previous episodes, but we're going to tap into her knowledge base as far as more of the skincare stuff and what she's done in, in her line of work. So stay tuned for next week. All right. Thank you, Anna. Thank you. Thank you.